look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, the man who is loved by every woman aged 84 to 93, Dave Popovich, how are you, buddy? Glad to be in that. Ca- I'm yeah. glad to be in any category, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Those take, women love you. I will take whatever I the, can. Every get. every client of ours in that age category just wants to talk to you. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> well, like I said, I'll take what I can get. Yeah, man. you get it, man. You do get it. <laughs> we, we've got a good show today. Actually, a really important show uh, because we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk to Miles Zyblock. We're going to talk a little bit about the year that has been 2018. Because there's been, it's been a weird year. In fact, he will make the case that this is a one in 100, one in 100 year sort of experience. Yes. And so Miles is the chief investment strategist for Dynamic mm-hmm. Funds. He's been able to make a lot of good calls on asset allocation, concerns about markets. He looks at things in a different way. This is why we have him on the show. Um, and we want to get his take yep. on what the heck happened in 2018? Yeah, well, where did we start? Where did we end? And what what happened, right? Because it's different. And what I like about Miles is how he's going to be talking about um, what the opportunity is for 2019. In years like this, where you see a lot of um, differences to the market versus economics. Right. When they're not aligned. Right. Um, then there lies opportunity. Right. And from the growth guy on the team... I want to show or at least explain to our listeners that although this year hasn't been what we expected or wanted, um, we, we, there are some opportunities in 2019, and we'll, we'll discuss that. Yeah. Now, uh, before we get to that, so we'll get Miles' analysis, and then we'll wrap it up with a discussion about, uh, about all that. What about, um, you know, what about this year? I heard you posted, what about ba- this week? I heard you posted bail for our, our friend in Huey. <laughs> Somebody had to do so, it. You got you just deep in your pockets and <laughs> Some, took out your change and paid for that, didn't you? Somebody had to do it. There yeah. you go. Thank it didn't you. help. The Chinese government thanks you yes. for at least getting bail. That's them. right. Yeah, we'll see. And this we'll is see what's on funny, extradition. especially here in Canada. That's become the top news story. First of all, a lot of people said, "Who the heck is Huey?" Uh, the second was, "I never knew that there was an issue." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then to see how this is all turning into from um, a legal issue to a political issue. And it's taken a lot of the uh, the news uh, time on that, especially on those business news stories. Well, uh, we got dragged into something. I mean, we've got we've got a uh, a treaty with the United States. We I mean, we got pulled into something here, in the middle of a trade war dispute between China and the U.S. Correct. That you know that has grown into something well beyond what you know, sort of what Canada's done. And it's you know there's there's Canadian companies that are suffering as a result of this. Yeah, and so we, you and I were laughing about this because I, I, I came in after I heard the, uh, the retaliation from the Chinese government. They're right. probably sitting in a room going, those damn Canadians, how dare they? <laughs> Let's figure out how we can retaliate. Let's boycott. What are we going to boycott? Yeah. Let's boycott those jackets. That's right. Canada Goose, we're going to boycott you, and that's going to really hurt that country. Yep. They haven't <laughs> figured out that Tim Hortons is Canadian yet, but, you know, maybe but it's they not in Manulife, Sunlight. But it's not in China. Manulife, yeah. Sunlife, yeah. all these. There's a lot. There's, we do tw- almost $22 billion worth of export trade. Thank God they didn't say we're going to stop any Canadian oil coming into our country. That's right. Because that would have so really hurt us. That's number four, though. The biggest export Canada has to China is actually wood and pulp. Correct. Right? You'd think they'd go after that. Yeah. But instead, they went after the jackets because that's just how dare they. <laughs> well, we Canada, don't want to see Canada. Goose. We don't want to see the word Canada on any of our Chinese <laughs> citizens. 
You know, and so that again, that's where all the attention went to, and we missed out on a whole bunch of stuff that happened economically, uh, positive economics. Mm-hmm. Um, we are seeing some sort of a slower growth, and when people hear that, they sometimes think it is a recession. Right. Slower growth to me is similar to driving on the Deerfoot at a hundred kilometers per hour, then veering off to a secondary road going eighty kilometers per hour. Right. Good You're down. still moving in a forward direction, Correct. just not as fast as you were. Right. Have you ever done that where you've driven off and you kind and of feels, uh, yeah, you come off the highway and you, and you go, just feel like you're going really right. slow. Like really am I in slow. a playground zone all of a sudden? You're really right. doing 80. Like yeah. it just feels that way. Yeah, Mainly because you drive 130 in a hundred zone. <laughs> Police, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, Never. But, but, but the, the key thing here is people just hear those, um, a slower growth and they think recession or they see it deceleration. Right. And that's not the case. Correct. You're still moving in a forward motion. So, um, the other part of this again, again, we came up with was the, um, the, the inverted yield curve. So there's been, listen, I, I don't remember so much uh, conversation around inv- inverted yield curves in the past, right? Do you know why? Yeah, why? Because the 2007 eight, um, crash. Okay. So when in 2007, the two year US government bond was yeah. higher than the 10 year, which is what the definition of an inverted yield curve was. Right. It took 12 to about 14 months after. Um, be, uh, before we started seeing the recession well, hit, I've, I've gone back further. I would say, I would say, an inv- inverted yield curve is one of those things that indicates that there's potentially a slowing. Um, you know, if you think about banks having to pay depositors higher than what they're lending at long-term rates, that's a bit of a goofy situation, right? Economically, they'll stop lending. It doesn't work, right? So, so that tends to be uh, tends to forecast, but it can be between eleven and thirty-six months, right? So people are, it, but I don't remember the press being as focused, and maybe I just don't remember back to that. But it's interesting that that's taking on a life of its own, and people are saying inverted yield curve, immediate, you know, recession. That is not the case. Correct. And people have to be educated of that. That's right. Right. So there's that part. Um, I'm hearing a lot of fear in people's um, uh, viewpoints. And I'll give you a story. I met with an individual who wanted a second opinion. Um, In fact, was referred by uh, her accountant who works with some of our clients. Um, She's she received quite a bit of money in her hands and in this year. And um, it's over over two and a half million bucks. Mm -hmm. And in the last eight weeks, she's down 4%. Mm-hmm. And literally is freaking out. Yep. Okay. And 4% or $100,000 is a lot of money. And um, so I'm not going to discount the fact that, that she's down. Um, she's called it a loss. So let's, let's use her words, not mine. Um, and she's freaking out. Yep. So how do you help somebody in that situation? Mm-hmm. And I think what, what, she, and what was interesting is the accountant set up the meeting where it was four different advisors, one after another, mm-hmm. meeting with her for 40 minutes to an hour. So it was like, it was like speed dating, mm-hmm. right? And so we're all sitting there one after the other just to give our perspective. And, and my perspective was you don't have to be in the stock market if you don't want to. And you don't have to... Um, take on stuff or risk if you're not comfortable with it. Right. What I think has happened over the last 10 years is what we call financial repression, where people have been pushed into uh, taking on higher risk because interest rates were so low. Today, we have an interest rate market that might be appealing to some. And in her case, um, GICs is the right solution for her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not equity market. And this is the stock guy talking, right? So I think what people need to do is take a second look at what's happening in the world. 
what the volatility is, and it's coming back. Um, I predict volatility to continue in the future. Um, and so people need to take a look at their portfolios and their comfort zone and say, is this right for me? And this is going to be a, a time where people, especially transitioning to or living in retirement, will have to double check, triple check their lifestyle spending versus their risk tolerance. Mm -hmm. Because people who need um, higher income will require higher growth more than what GICs can offer, the risk-free rate. Mm -hmm. um, and that will mean that they might need to take on risk. And if you're not comfortable, now you have a trade-off. And so this is where people have to sit down and have those conversations with their advisors. And if you're not having those conversations with your advisor or if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you're not having those conversations, reach out to us because I'm having uh, conversations every day with, with our listeners, people in, in the public about what, uh, what are their options. And there are, there are well, a whole bunch. Yep. Uh, and you just have to be willing to take them. And clients too, right? This is gut check time. You go back, right? Yep. So there's been this, the, the fear has switched from the fear of missing out which has been the last three or four years, to the fear of loss. Yeah, so I, uh, right. good point. So it's the fear of missing out to the fear of running out. Right. right. That's what it's changed. Yeah. And so I think that's where people have to have that, that reset. And today's a reset. Look, Listen to me right now, but Dave, when I'm saying this, it's a reset today. Everything you can do in regards to your financial future is a choice. Right. You can choose to do things going forward. Whatever's happened in the past has happened in the past. But as of today, you have a choice of what goes on in the future. And I think today is the time where people need to look at that situation and say, what am I comfortable with? What am I willing to sacrifice or live, live with? And then go, go, with, uh, go with that and, mm -hmm. and, and be comfortable because um, volatility is going to be here for a while, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, what, what, what's happened is volatility has crept back up to more normal ranges, historical ranges. We have just been absent volatility for a long time. And it's the same thing that you said. You come off that highway, right, which has been it's, – it's the Autobahn, and it's perfectly smooth, and you hit the gravel road on the side, and it's a bit bumpier. Yeah, right? but you're still doing 80 versus – Right. So yep. my, my point here is I love this type of market. Yep. I really enjoy it. This is where I, I thrive in my career. I just think there's a lot of people who don't have that same sentiment as I do yeah, and yeah. need to have a bit of a check. It's scary. We're going to talk about this at our upcoming seminar. Let's just remind everybody about that. Yeah, Tuesday, January 22nd, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. You need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400, or register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. All right, you interested to know what uh, the market holds for us into the future? Then stick around after the break. We're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. And uh, Faisal, we're going to talk about uh, money. We're going to talk about 2018. It's been a long year for do a lot we, of people. Do we, do we have to talk about it? I'm well, sure a lot of people don't want to talk about 2018. A lot of people don't want to. You know, and it was, um, listen, it wasn't a catastrophic year by any, any stretch of the imagination. We certainly had volatility return to the market, and that's something that's been absent for a long time, and I think people have become complacent to it, so this has felt pretty bad, yep. right? Economics didn't look so bad, but indexes were all over the place, and the end of the year got pretty scary. Let's try to understand what the heck was going on there. Yeah, and it's it's very interesting year because when you when people look at volatility, they have a reference point, mm -hmm. and most people were looking at a reference point on the peak of their their portfolio mm -hmm. in 2018, and then saw the drop. And if you look in some cases, we saw a 10 or even greater percent pullback in the U.S. market, in the Canadian market, and even international markets, and that caused that caused a bit of a shock to a lot of people right. and caused them to react emotionally behind it. So let's find out from, from our experts on, on what happened and yep. why it happened, and then we can kind of go into uh, what does the future look like. Well, we're, we're going to be joined here for the next couple of segments by Miles Zyblock. He's the chief investment strategist at Dynamic Funds. He's been a regular a recurring guest of ours over the years. And, Miles, welcome back, and thanks for taking some time with us. 
Hey, gentlemen, it's, uh, it's absolutely great to be here. Thanks a lot. All right. Well, we've got a relatively short period of time to try to make sense of what the heck 2018 was all about. But I'm going to take you right back to the beginning, January 1st, 2018. Um, Starting the year, what were you thinking about? How did you think 2018 was going to shape up? Well, you know, in terms of, it's a great question because, you know, looking back and you, and you sort of check your notes, I mean, in terms of the economies around the world, we thought they would still be fine. We thought earnings growth would be fine. Uh, so, you know, you translate and you think about that and you say, well, the markets uh, should generally behave pretty pretty well. And, and obviously, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, which is 2020 now, uh, you know, earnings uh, for corporations have come in well. Uh, you've had some decent growth around the world, a little bit slower, but decent growth around the world. But the markets have been all over the place. Uh, you, you know, it's been it's been what I'd call a very unique year uh, for this current generation of investors. And you know, when I'm saying unique, I'll just give you a couple of anecdotes. If you look at all the global asset classes, that you know, we track about 70 to 80 of them, and uh, about 90 percent of those global assets asset classes, whether it's stocks, bonds, credits, whatever, uh, 90% of them are, are printing negative for the year. Now, it's not, it's not the depth that's so scary. It's just the fact that there's so many asset classes out there that have just failed to make investors money, which is really unique. And if you look back in history, you know, we've, we, you know, it's been at least a century where we've seen something like this. We have not, we have not seen anything like this in a very long time. Uh, so again, it's you know a little a little bit uh, rough uh, going here for investors all around the world, um, and, and it's really not because economies or corporate earnings are doing poorly. Yeah, that's what's been interesting, right? Because you you know, Faisal, we've talked about that. You talk about the global economic situation, and it wasn't dire by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe it's it softened a little bit, but we're still in expansion, not contraction. All Correct. those different things, like yep. Miles said. Um, okay, so there's some unique aspects to this. People, certainly in the last quarter of this year, you know, we got hit with some stuff. Let's maybe talk about, Miles, if you would, uh, synthesize for us the key, some of the key problems, risks, things that are, you know, are bothering the markets and how they develop through the course of the year. You know, yeah. That, I mean, when we when we look at, at what's going on in the market, I think I think it comes down to uh, three things, uh, at least three big macro uh, issues that, in, that investors are having a hard time digesting. And, and the first is, you know, obviously, and this has been around for a while, concerns about escalating trade wars. Uh, you know, a while ago it was you know the NAFTA agreement that got on people's nerves, and you know now it's uh, China and the U.S. So I think that the the worries about what the trade wars could do to the economies is is one sort of big issue outstanding. Another is that central banks, uh, in particular North American central banks, are starting to raise interest rates. And we've seen, you know, uh, since late 2015, the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates eight times for, um, you know, the rates are now at about 2.25% in the U.S., not really alarmingly high, but uh, in essence, the tightening is, is bothering investors. We've seen you know, a few rate hikes. I think there's been five rate hikes now since the middle of 2017 for the Bank of Canada. So in North America, you have concerns about tightening monetary policy conditions. Uh, and then finally, just the overall sense of what all this means and how they interact and how they could affect growth on a go-forward basis. So it's not about 
you know, obviously about uh, earnings delivery today, because, you know, if you just look at the U.S., the latest data uh, for the S&P 500 shows that earnings have expanded on a year-on-year basis by about 26%. So it's not about current earnings delivery. It's really about worries about these interactions and what they mean for future earnings growth. And I think that's really what we're seeing in the market. Um, it's, it's trade largely, and it's uh, central bank tightening. So, Miles, some of the some of the research that I've read this year were saying that the U.S. stock market did, that did so well in 2017 was borrowing some of the return of 2018 because of the expansion of the, the P.E. multiples and so forth. And so 2018 may not be a great year, which so far we are saying that it hasn't. And uh, and so are we saying that the the pullback is borrowing from the, the potential of of an upside for next year in uh... well i don't i don't know if it's doing you know it's, it's a good point because you know you did have a big multiple expansion in 20 in 2017 you had no volatility in the markets to speak of i think the biggest correction in the u.s was under three percent uh that was really as unusual as 2018's been but just sort of the the 180 degree turn of that in the sense that you know 2017 no volatility uh lots of p expansion or valuation expansion in the markets and 2018's been you know uh valuation contraction and more and more volatility now you know my sense here is that you know 2017 was probably a little too good to be true it was a little bit goldilocks and uh and and now that, that probably is is you know was unlikely to persist and it and it hasn't persisted but you know my my sense here about what the market's doing today is it's it's kind of almost got a little too pessimistic given the outlook in the sense that you know maybe we've we've we got to hand back some of those returns we've taken <laughs> because you know when you look around the world the risks of recession are low i'm not saying you get 20 plus percent earnings growth in 2019 but you know could you see 7 to 10 percent earnings growth around the globe i think that is you know, uh, a pretty conservative estimate, and and I think it's it's likely to happen. So you have okay earnings growth. You still have relatively low interest rates around the world. Um, it, you know, it's it's just hard for me to see the beginnings of a bear market here, unless I'm completely missing something. And obviously, the market is telling me there there may be something I'm missing at this stage. But uh, you know, I haven't seen enough in the macroeconomic data to tell me that there are recession concerns, that there are you know there's an earnings recession concern coming up or anything like that. So I think the markets have got pretty jittery, uh, pretty pessimistic, and and so hopefully we we see some of that change, you know, as we enter into 2019. And let me just point out, if the two worries, if I'm right about the two worries being trade and 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 central bank tightening, well, you know, in in late November, the central bank in the U.S. already said they might be done. Uh, so that should be positive for the markets on a go forward. If 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 we get some confirmation that they're near or at the end of their tightening cycle, you know, December nineteenth, a few days from now, we're probably going to see one more rate hike from the Fed, but that may be it. Um, at the same time, the Bank of Canada has said that, you know, maybe they are going to slow down uh, their pace of rate increases. So at the margin, uh, you know, you, you're, you're unlikely to see these runaway interest rates, which means that there's less risk of an accident in the economies and in the markets. On trade, um, you know, I'm a, little bit, I'm, I'm a little bit contrarian in the view on trade in the sense that 
people, you know, protectionism is a very scary word. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's always associated with things like the Great Depression and things like that. But I, I really think if you look at not what people are saying, the politicians are saying around the world, but what they're doing, I, in fact, think that there's been a lot of progress made and that freer trade is happening, not less free trade. Now, let me give you some examples. Some Be- real before you examples. do, Miles, before you do, we're going to actually have to yeah. go on break on this one. And it's a yeah. great tease for all you listeners out there of what what's really happening out there. I also want to chat with you, Miles, when we come back about what uh, what markets surprised you on the downside. Was it Europe and uh, emerging markets, U.S. or Canada, and the bond market as well? I want to get your take on what surprised you because I found that whatever surprises most analysts or, or strategists also have the opportunity for a nice recovery in the following years. So I want to kind of just touch on that. So is that okay, Dave? Sure. Yeah. Gonna, no, absolutely. Take- so let's take a quick break. Uh, before we do take that, break however yep. Faisal let's remind everybody about our upcoming seminar yeah we're going to talk about these economic strategies and investment using our five pillar investment strategy approach to reaching for your retirement goals on Tuesday January 22nd 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine Spirits and Beer you need to reserve your seat so give us a call 966-8400 that's 966-8400 or go on our website to register at morethemoneyradio.com all right stick around after the break to find out the answers to those important questions about what we're going to be facing here on 770 CHQR and more than money Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money Man. We've been talking about what happened in 2018 and what we can look forward to in 2019. Yeah, so we have Miles Iblock. He's here, he's here with us. He's the chief investment uh, strategist for Dynamic Funds. And, Miles, we were talking before the break uh, about um, what, what surprised you when it comes to those markets around the world. And I'll, I'll kind of label them so our listeners have an idea of what I'm referring to. When you look at the Canadian stock market, when you look at the U.S., let's call it the S&P 500, European market, emerging markets, and the bond market in general globally, which areas surprised you the most on the downside? And the reason why I ask that question, as the growth guy on the team, I find when I talk to to guys like you and gals like you, I, I find that what surprises you the most has the most upside potential going into future years. So I kind of wanted to get your take on that. Sure. I, we'll talk about that in, in, in essence. You know, when I look around the world, I think the most uh, disappointing uh, market for me had been the U.S. because by far they've they've delivered the strongest earnings numbers. There's nowhere in the world that's compared against, you know, the 26 to 30 percent earnings growth we've seen out of U.S. companies. And yet the market, you know, is roughly flat for the year. <clears throat> so that's that's something in and of itself. But, you know, taking a step back from that, um, it hasn't been all that terrible in the emerging markets. There's been a lot of, you know, concern about growth slowing in China, but yet you're still seeing 10, 15 percent earnings growth coming out of the emerging markets. And yet when you look at the emerging market performance, the equity market's performance, you know, they've just entered recently, they've entered what you'd consider, at least in the developed world, a bear market. I mean, it's not a those happen about every two years in the emerging markets, but you're still you're down 20 percent uh, in the emerging market indices. And yet earnings growth has been has been OK. So, you know, I'd say on the two extremes, on the one side is big earnings numbers and a flat market. And in the in your in the emerging markets, it's been a, I guess, slower pace of earnings gains, but but nothing worrisome at this stage, and yet the market has, has entered a bear market. And again, I think a lot of this has to do with some of those big ideas we were talking about earlier. Obviously, when it comes to trade, the emerging markets are very vulnerable, and that's being priced into those markets. Yeah, so let's go, let's go to that point about trade. You, you mentioned before the break also that trade and your contrarian view to this. Kind of give us your thoughts behind that. Yeah, so... 
again, protectionism, very scary word often associated with the Great Depression and all the problems that happened in the 1930s. Uh, but if you, again, the saber rattling is, is you know, new to all of us. Uh, you know, you haven't had a president that, that talks the way he talks these days. And, uh, and I think it is unsettling to markets. But just have a look at what people are doing, not what they're saying, like I said. And, you know, you have the NAFTA. It's been signed. The new NAFTA agreement, USMCA, has been, or whatever they want to call it, is, is been signed. So that's progress. Uh, you have seen what is already ratified and will take effect on March of 2019 is the largest bilateral trade agreement uh, in world history. No one seems to know about it because that doesn't sell newspapers, but it's between uh, the, Euro, the Eurozone or the EU, sorry, the European Union and Japan. And that's going to cover that free trade agreement is coming into effect. March It's going to cover 33 percent of world GDP. So all those tariffs are going away. Uh, and you now have like in a, in a matter of a few weeks after the, the big meeting that uh, Trump had with the, the Chinese leader uh, a few weeks ago, you have what looks like a thawing of relationships between the two. Uh, nations where already China is uh, upping its purchases of U.S. agriculture. It's lowering its tariffs on autos. Obviously, there's still a lot to go there. But what I'm trying to say is that all these worries about trade are, are more noise, it seems. We are progressing. Uh, the world is becoming a little bit freer, not less free, even though it sounds like uh, you know trade has been, been heavily restricted. So I just say look at what's been done, and and then you have a bunch of you know many bilateral agreements popping up all over the place. Uh, you know you have uh, Canada entered an agreement with New Zealand. You have the U.S. with Vietnam. You have the EU with South Korea, or sorry, U.S. with South Korea, EU with Vietnam. These little agreements have been popping up all over the place in the last say six to nine months. So. I'm not sure it's as bad as what people want to portray it to be. Uh, yeah, the, the the rhetoric is bad. There's no question. But the outcomes are not as bad as what I think the markets are nervous about. All right. So there sounds like, Miles, there might be some opportunity then if uh, if we take this particular view. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how an investor, let's just say a base case, 50-year-old balanced investor. Tell me a little bit about how you think that they should be structured uh, going into 2019 to take advantage of some of these opportunities. Sure. You know, obviously, um, the, the one, the biggest uh, fear I have uh, is that um, we're, we're seeing a generalized loss in confidence uh, across the investor landscape. And, and what do I mean by that? That's, you know, it has nothing really to do with the fundamentals. It has to do perhaps with, with our own psychology. In, in essence, uh, you know, we've, after Lehman went bankrupt in 2008, we've seen, you know, over 700 interest rate cuts from global central bankers around the world. We've seen, you know, these central bankers purchase assets assets directly from secondary markets like bonds and credit to the tune of about $12 trillion. So there's been a, like an immense amount of central bank support, and that is backing off. And uh, you know what I worry about is we become so psychologically reliant on this on this direct stimulus by central banks that even even a small change at the margin uh, is creating big ripples in markets. So you know ultimately, uh, I'm not entirely negative, but I have to you know recognize the fact that we do have some frayed nerves here that could persist for a while. And so if I was to say a 60-40, 60% equity. 40% bond, say that's the 
typical sort of balanced mm-hmm. portfolio. I would be closer to 50% stocks, 50% bonds. Uh, I would not, you know, in the stock portfolios, I would, you know, not be fully aggressive as I once was, say, only a few months ago, where, you know, I would tone down the amount of, you know, things like biotechnology stocks and, and you know, the FANG types of stocks. Uh, we have to back off those a little bit and, you know, move towards what I call more visible growth. Uh, and, you know, some of those areas could be, they don't always have to be super defensive and, you know, toothpaste selling companies. But, you know, you're talking about, you know, even aerospace and defense companies, things that aren't quite as, as cyclical as, as we were in only a few months ago. So, again, 50% stocks, I think, would be, and, and upgrade the portfolios is what we've done. So a little higher quality, a little more visible earning streams, but still equities nonetheless. And then the bonds, uh, you know, uh, 50% bond allocation. And there's actually, I, would, I wouldn't even, you know, we, we have put a small portion of gold into that, into that defensive bucket. Um, so not quite 50% bonds, something like 46% bonds, 4% gold, just in case some of the wheels come off. So, you know, it's, it's a little, it's not, I would say, we're not hiding under, you know, any, any beds right now or in a bomb shelter, but um, it's, it's definitely less aggressive than what we've, we've had um, over the last, say, few years. Miles, maybe break down that equity exposure a little bit too. You, you've made some comments about um, uh, the U.S. and earnings, emerging markets, and so on and so forth. What kind of allocation do you see amongst the, the equity markets in the different regions? Still, the highest quality names uh, generally uh, can be found in, uh, in the U.S. Um, it's the deepest market in the world. So, you know, when you're looking for defensive issues, uh, it's just easier to find what I call reasonably priced uh, defensive stocks in the U.S. <clears throat> so more of our allocation is still tilted towards the U.S., uh, even some of the software and services companies, which, you know, people don't think are, are that defensive, are actually quite defensive. Uh, and you have a lot of see-through earnings. You, you can see visibility in those earnings. So, you know, I'm still tilted towards the U.S., but as you say, um, you know, or as I mentioned earlier, that, you know, the emerging markets themselves, which we were really underweight last year, we've come back a little bit. I'm not, I'm not overweight emerging markets, but we've been dipping our toes in the emerging markets, thinking that, you know, maybe some of this is overdone. The fact is that, that the Chinese monetary and fiscal authorities have been stimulating their economy over the last six months. We think that you get a little better tone to Chinese growth and hence Southeast Asia. Asian growth uh, in the first half of you know 2019. So I think there is opportunity in emerging markets uh, going from really bearish or or, or no, I wouldn't say bearish. That's the wrong term. Underweight emerging markets to you know still underweight, but much less so today. So I, I'd say number one is the U.S. and emerging markets look interesting to us. I would be much more interested in Europe if, if those Europeans could figure out what to do with Deutsche Bank. <laughs> okay, so I have one quick question. We have about 30 seconds before we have to go. Uh, many people are looking in the retirement area of, of GICs offering around 3% on an average laddered bond, a laddered GIC portfolio as an alternative to investing in the markets and so forth. Just because of the fear that's out there, what's your thoughts behind that really quickly? So, the, the, you know, the, the question I ask myself is, is, you know, can I sleep at night? If I can't sleep at night, then I have to sell down to my sleeping point. Uh, so, you know, holding GICs is, is, not, 
is not insane at all. I think it's very practical for most people with, you know, a low risk tolerance. So, uh, you know, getting 3%, if that's the case on GICs, hey, that's pretty competitive these days relative to, you know, you can buy a 10-year bond in Canada yielding about 2.2%. So, uh, you know, you're getting GIC types of, you're getting those shorter horizons at, at pretty good pickups. So uh, not a bad place when I'm, when I told you about 50% bonds, uh, a, a good chunk of that could be, you know, a portion to your GIC for sure. Miles, we want to thank you. We've got to leave it there. Thank you very much for your time Always again today. Always a pleasure, today. guys. Have a great day. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. You too. Bye-bye. We'll be joined by Miles Zyblock, Chief Investment Strategist, Dynamic Funds. Okay, my friend, we've got to wrap this up. That was some great information. We've got a seminar coming up. Yeah, Tuesday, January 22nd, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. Uh, you need to reserve your seat, so give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or go to our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. Okay, let's pull it all together uh, in the next segment and talk about what it's going to look like in 2019. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. You're here with David Faisal. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, Faisal, we've got to wrap up this show. We've had some great, uh, some great input from Miles about the 2018 that was, the 2019 that could be. It's been a gut check time. We talked about this in the first segment for a lot of people. It's been scary, um, all of these things. Okay. We did some focus groups that was interesting, focus group conversations with clients. So we basically took uh, a bunch of our clients, put them in a round table. First, we had to feed them so they would be honest with us. Uh, open up a look, a few bottles of, of, of vino, and right. they were they were quite happy with that. So then they could be totally honest with us. Lots of conversation, <laughs> yeah. Lots of conversation about lots of different topics. But one that was interesting, and and it's not just the focus groups. But we hear it from people we talk to just absolutely in the street, right? Is I want zero loss. My expectation is zero downside. Hmm. Zero downside. Okay. Which is great. So, yeah. I love the honesty. Right. Zero downside. Now, uh, is that achievable? Yes. It is achievable. Yes. Is it achievable at the same time as you maximize upside? Our, yes. Okay. Our listeners know that I am the growth guy on the team. I am aggressive comparisons to you. Mm-hmm. I'm not aggressive comparisons to a lot of other mm-hmm. investment advisors or money managers out there, um, but I'm aggressive, meaning right. I'm the stock guy. Right. And I'm saying today that people can have zero losses and maximize return Given. Given the fact what maximizing is defined as. Right, right. Okay. You cannot take more than the risk-free rate without risk. That's why it's called the risk-free rate. Right. Today, my benchmark for risk-free is GICs. Right. We talked to Miles about this earlier. Um, The risk-free rate, we're going to use an easy number Mm -hmm. of 3%. Well, you got to explain that. That's ladder. Okay. That's not a short term. That's not a one year yeah. GIC. That's taking your money and spreading it through five mm. years from yeah. one to five years, putting about one fifth in each year. Your average will be around 3%. We'll make an easy number there. And that's the risk free rate. Okay. If your financial situation requires you to take more of a return than 3%, or need more of a return, or need, yeah. a more, uh, take out, we'll, yeah. yeah, we'll say need for now. Um, then you are going to take on volatility and risk. Right. There is nothing that's risk-free above 3%. Let's Today. put that out there. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Two years ago, it was 2%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gotten better. It's, it's gotten more better. attractive today than it was risk a year ago. Risk-free has yeah. gotten better. Yeah. So people need to gut check yeah. and say, can I tolerate volatility? Right. Now, what does volatility mean? Right. First of all, when we talk about volatility, and I'll, I'll, I'll refer to a company by the name of Callan Capital Management. Mm-hmm. 
these guys do pension analysis around the United States, and they came out with saying a conservative investor, which is what people who are looking for low risk call themselves a conservative investor. If they are willing to take on, uh, if they need a 4.5% rate of return, mm-hmm. they need to take on 5% standard deviation. Okay, let's explain that. That's what I need to talk about. Okay. Because those of you who don't recall your stats class, or those of you who, who are not sure of what the heck I'm talking about, whatever number I just said, 5%, times it by 2. Multiply it by 2. That's a 10% swing of your portfolio plus or minus. Let me make it in dollar form. If mm-hmm. you have a million-dollar portfolio and you have a 5% standard deviation, you have to be comfortable to take a positive or negative $100,000 swing mm-hmm. to reach the goal of 4.5% average rate of return. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about the upside. If you beat it, that's great. But that downside... That's what you have to be. Right. So almost 50% of the time, mm-hmm. you should expect between negative $1 mm-hmm. to negative 100000 That's what you have to be comfortable with. When will that negative 100000 happen? Nobody knows. Right. So we cannot forecast that in advance. Right. Okay. And so this is where the gut check comes into play. If that $100,000 in our example is too much for you to handle, then you need to make decisions today. It's a reset. We're going to make decisions going forward. The reset today is if I cannot handle, I have a million bucks and I can't handle a $100,000 swing, I now have to say, what am I most comfortable with? Mm -hmm. And if it's a zero, meaning I'm not willing to take any losses, mm-hmm. then I might have to f- sacrifice, forego, or change my my spending habits right. because the income that I can take from my retirement may not be able to reach my lifestyle that I wanted. Without encroaching on principle. Well, no, with encroaching on principle, but not running out of money over your lifetime. Right. So the definition of risk to me, the growth guy, is living to 90 but running out of money when you're 80. Right. The risk to other people is ever seeing a drop in your portfolio. Right. Okay? So I think people need to have a gut check here. More importantly, you need to talk to your advisor about the alternatives and what is available to you today. Well, and and start with the planning, Faisal. Let's go back to that, right? I mean, we've talked about this repeatedly. Um, This should not be a back-of-the-napkin um, kind of a calculation. You can go and you can do the mathematical work to figure out where your plan breaks down. Stress test it, right? Yep. Do a do a scenario analysis that says, "Hey, what if nothing I own ever makes money again? Nothing. So a zero rate of return, or even a negative. Pick it, right? Nothing makes money. Wonder what wonder what I can do. What happens to my plan?" And start figuring out what the ranges are. And I think that's what's important, right? Correct. You can't necessarily alleviate fear with facts, so right? This is what I, I we, we say this in our book. Okay, so any of you listening, if you want a free copy of our book, go to morethanmoneyradio.com and ask for a free copy of our book. We'll send you the electronic version or a paperback version, not a problem. Because in that book, mm-hmm. we talk about the probability of success. Right. And one example we talk about is 70 to 75% probability, which means when we went through Richard and Sarah, which is the name in our story, uh, we went through every market condition given their financial uh, situation since 1935. Mm-hmm. There was a probability that 70 to 75% of the time they can do it. Mm-hmm. That means there's a one in four chance they can't. Right. 
and they have to make a decision. Now, if you don't know those numbers, those probabilities, right. then there's a problem. Right. But if you do know, that's we're in a spot this year where it didn't work out. Right. And listen, this it, as bad as it maybe feels in 2018, it, this isn't a bad year. But look, the Toronto stock market on average over the last five years, and I'm rounding yeah, up here, yeah. has averaged 1% return right. per year. Right. Average. Right. That doesn't work in most people's financial plan. Right. But that's where the one in four chances of it not working come into play. Right. And so you have to be willing to take that kind of risk if you want the outcome of that. Do not just assume the rate of return that's in that plan and say, okay, that's fine. We'll just go after that. Right. And stress whatever test. you yeah. stress test it. Stress test. And understand that there's a probability that things will go wrong. Yeah. And so those who've been focused on the Canadian market, dividend paying stocks, whatever, right? has seen an average of 1% growth on the TSX plus dividend, call it 2 or 3%, people are now saying, why could I just buy GICs and call it better, call it a day? Right. And they're right. right. But what are you going to give up? And I think that's where I want to spend one minute really quickly on okay. this. People who are choosing to take less in their volatility and take a, a certain guarantee in return yep. have to understand there might be a sacrifice in their lifestyle needs. Right. But that's a choice that empowers you to do things. It's okay. And we've talked about living with, uh, keeping up with the Joneses and stuff like yep. that in the past. Yep. I'm saying that again. You do not have to spend what you want to spend if you're not comfortable with the risk you need to take to spend what you want to spend. <laughs> That's right. You have choice. Right. So enjoy that choice. You are fortunate enough to have choice. There are many people around the world that have no choice. Right. You know? So I think this is a good time that we need to look at that and kind of just reflect on what we're willing to do okay um let's wrap it up my friend uh, right. it was a good show today uh, at least i feel it was lots yes. of good information um we've got a seminar coming up we're going to continue this conversation in the new year in an effort to educate everybody about this process of transitioning into retirement yeah we're going to talk about the things that most um individuals don't know about volatility and risk and how to bulletproof your retirement on tuesday january 22nd 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. You need to reserve your seat. So give us a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or register online at www.morethanmoneyradio.com. All right. And don't forget that you can access any of our past segments at morethanmoneyradio.com. Or you can have them delivered directly to you by searching for More Than Money CHQR on Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of more than money, a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, an investment industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.